The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 158 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host on the left coast, Zandrick Ellison. How are you today, Zan? Good. Thanks for being here. I know you have a sick baby, maybe. You're playing through it. You're like the Giannis of this podcast. I think we need you to get to the finish line. I don't know. It didn't seem like the Bucks needed him. If only there was a sports writer out there that coined some sort of theory for like when a star goes out and his right. team plays well without it. Do we have, is there a theory for that yet? Is it Giannis theory? <laughs> I mean, credit to Milwaukee. And you know what? And hey, people are going to forget it, but the Clippers did win a series basically without Kawhi Leonard or the last few games in a similar, uh, in a similar and, spot for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, Durant, remember the Warriors won without Durant for a couple games, uh, a whole series, actually, I think Portland, they swept Portland without, so, yeah, without KD. Yeah. So you, we have to kind of remind ourselves that like these other guys are very good players, obviously, but it's something I was talking, we were talking about with PJ Tucker, you know, like a lot of these guys get marginalized and pigeonholed in a certain role, but basically all of these guys were at some point were leading scorers of their team. You know, they're all like guys who can step up to some degree. And certainly we saw that with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Middleton was great for stretches, right? I mean, sometimes he looks like a all NBA guy. Yeah. Middleton's like game three, fourth quarter, which I think we already discussed. And then his game six, third quarter where he scored like 16 straight points. And I think two minutes and 55 seconds, like, it's it's hard to put Chris honestly like Chris Middleton going from like a second round pick who was like a four man in college to this like killer two way wing. He, he's not an amazing defender, but like he's absolutely a tremendous offensive player. And it's like he I, I think he'll get the credit he deserves now because the Bucks have made the finals. And right. I would say up, up until this point, Giannis had been their best and most important player. But but certainly the last three games of the Eastern Conference Finals, like it, it'd be very hard to ignore how good Chris Middleton was and be like, man, what if he really was a number one option? Like certainly, well, you, know, you know, probably who um, typifies that even more is, and he's not as good, obviously as Brooke Lopez. Cause it's like, this is a guy who scored average 20 points a game four times early on in his career. And now just like the nature of the NBA, he's older. He's just going to become like a, you know, stretch big, but like, Hey, push comes to shove. He can go down and get you 30 points. He, you know, they I mean, needed him. They needed yeah. him in game five, like absolutely needed him. And it's, it's interesting because we should say Phoenix is a minus 170 favorite on Bovada Sportsbook. So this is not exactly, you know, like the Bucks have finally made it to the finals and they're going to, they're going to break through the, the, the Giannis injury is we don't know if he's going to be back. The final start Tuesday night. Uh, and I believe Phoenix is just a slight favorite. Uh, Phoenix is Phoenix is minus six on Bovada, which is which is pretty at substantial yeah. at home. So yeah. they're, they're saying it would be like yeah, they're, they're and, decidedly favored though. And they're, they're, yeah, and it, and again, I think this is kind of sportsbooks just hedging that Giannis is not going to play. I don't know. There, there seems to be 
some optimism that he could have played in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals if it got there, which would have been Monday night. And so maybe he's ready to go on Tuesday. I have no idea, honestly. Well, this is, you know this what's encouraging? And we, you know, it's fun to actually dig into basketball. We can talk about the matchups and stuff, but obviously that's the elephant in the room. Like, is Giannis playing or not? It's almost impossible to make a prediction without knowing that. And this series would be pretty close to even, I think, in my opinion, if Giannis was in full strength. I think the Bucks would maybe be like a very slight favorite, like minus 110, minus 120. Does that seem right to you? Yeah, I think they'd be favored. Um, although Phoenix is riding a lot of buzz. I think one thing that the, and the Giannis issue, like that really helps them is the schedule for the finals is pretty stretched out. Yeah. I think it goes over the course of 16 days. Um, so I think it's really, it's going to be that simple. It's like, can Milwaukee hang in there? Can they win one of the two games in Phoenix without him? Cause I'm thinking he's coming back game three, game four. That seems yeah, like realistic. So- that would give him another week. Game two, July 8th, game three, July 11th, game four, July 14th. So there's two days off in between every game, which one kind of stinks for the basketball viewer. But July 14th, that would mean he'd been out for about two and a half weeks in game four. So if they're if they're down 2-1 and he comes back for game four at home, I, I don't know. Like I said, uh, apparently there's some like thought that Giannis is going to play in game one and again i haven't heard that i'm he's listed as day-to-day sort of like this is my expertise from my fantasy football career it's like if a guy is listed as questionable that he's probably not going to play but that probably means he's going to play the following week yeah that was trey young in game five right he was yeah i think he was questionable in game four but i think he was then he was doubtful and then he was questionable in game five and he played in game six well like the earlier you get ruled out like obviously the worst sign like a game time decision i usually think they're not going to play but then they'll definitely play the next game and so i think if he was going to maybe play game seven i think saying he'll be back for game three or game four is reasonable yeah because for some reason there's only one day off in between games one and two, and then there's one day off between games six and seven, and then every other game has two days off. I've, so. I've heard some Milwaukee fans say this. I don't know if you agree. Give it a go. My theory would be try to win one of the two, hold them out until game three. Some Milwaukee fans are saying hold them out for game one, and then if you lose, bring them back for game two. Yeah, I you know I don't know. It's 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 interesting, and I want to talk a little bit about more about the Bucks and the Hawks, and then about the Suns and the Clippers before we kind of really dive okay. into the finals. But I just think knowing how Giannis is, like I think a give it a go is a good example because like he's going to try to play. Like if he thinks he's fifty percent, he's going to try to play. But given the way that Giannis plays and how much of his game is like strength and athleticism and like getting downhill, like I would expect him to be much more impacted by it this isn't like James Harden where he can still like make an impact by like shooting jumpers and like controlling the ball in the perimeter like Giannis doesn't play that way so like right and they'll test it you know defensively his length will probably be okay but like offensively it's like he wants to blow by you I think they're going to give him that opportunity give him a lot of space I do what you can do I do think the sun or the uh, bucks trainers deserve a lot of credit because I haven't really ever seen a knee bend that way and not just be like destroyed for a year so the fact like they must do great stuff with injury prevention or Giannis is just like an alien. And cause like, I mean, when I saw the injury, we, we talked about this a little bit. One, I thought it meant that the bucks were probably cooked. So uh, I'll, I'll take the L on that one. But two, like I thought his I thought his season was over. Like I thought well, there was yeah, a chance we weren't going to see bad. Giannis until 2023 in all honesty, but getting back to the bucks and the, and the Hawks for a second, I, I thought it was really interesting watching kind of the bucks make adjustments. Like in game five, 
Inside the NBA is like so rarely correct on strategy things that they suggest. But before the game, it was like it was one of the one of the days where it's not like 47 episodes of Bones leading into a game. It actually yeah. they had an hour of Inside the NBA beforehand or NBA tip off, whatever they call it. And Charles Barkley was like, you know, one of the things that this the Hawks or the Bucks need to do is post up Brooke Lopez. Like that's a very high percentage play for a guy like Brooke Lopez. He's a great finisher. Like you can run your offense through him, but actually like hammer them inside and it keeps him close to the basket it keeps the offensive rebounds like are, are at a premium in that regard and that's what the bucks did and the hawks had no answer for it like he capella could not guard him okongu could not guard him collins could not guard him i mean he scored like 30 on like 12 of 16 i don't even think he didn't make a three i don't think right and so right and that's like shows you the hawks like you know there's this sort of idea that Clint Capella is a good defender because he's, you know, he can run around a he little is, bit, but he he's is, small. He is he, a good defender. Yeah, he's small. Yeah. And so is Okongwu. I mean, like, he's like 6'9". Like, there was there was a scene where they were shaking hands at the end and Giannis hugged Clint Capella and looked like he was four inches taller than him. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, it was insane because Capella really is only like 6'9", right? Yeah, and it is impressive that the Hawks beat Joel Embiid and the Sixers. But you do wonder about that. Do they need, just as like, a you know, in their bag of tricks, not to against Brooke Lopez, but... Against, you know, Joel Embiid, do they need it against Jokic? Do they need like a true big backup, which they don't don't have right now? I don't think so, personally. But what I do think, I do think it's interesting to see if like a team every now and again is going to throw in a game like this as like a change up, if you will. Like you you play a specific way and then all of a sudden, like in game four, you're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to totally change what we do. We know how to play because Brooke is really good. And like we have a bunch of these kind of like long wings who can also shoot and like surround him. And it just, it, to me, you know, that, obviously that's, Detroit. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's a great analogy to change up. Because you'll see in baseball sometimes like that, like Zephus pitch where it's like 45 miles an hour and you think it would be so easy to hit, but it is so E-fist. not used. Ephus. Yeah. So not used to it. But it, I just thought it was so, like, because Trey did not play in game five. And, and he looked you know, terrible in game and, six. And, and yeah, in game six, like he just, he looked like the injury was bothering him. I mean, bone bruises are, are hard to deal with. And that's what, that's kind of why I'm more negative on, on Giannis than I think the media is. And again, I, w- I would expect Giannis to play at some point in this series, which is surprising, but you know, like Trey came back in game six and just, it, it wasn't there. Like he, he, he didn't have a lift on his jumper. And again, like him shooting jump shots is good, but, and then in the fourth quarter, like he still had lateral explosiveness and he really attacked Middleton off the dribble, but he didn't really get to that until like the late third, early fourth. And it, and it helped them. But the biggest thing for the Hawks was that Cam Reddish came off the bench and just made a ton of shots that like, that yeah. was their offense for and a it, while. And it's interesting, to, if, as long as we're talking about the Hawks so much, but Cam Reddish probably is the biggest variance in terms of <laughs> box score production. Obviously, he had a big game six, but he just he was good. Pro- he, yeah, he was good in game six. Like, I, right. I want to trash him a little bit, too, because no, it's annoying <laughs> when guys like him come out and talk a bunch of trash when, like, they just haven't been very good. And he's like yelling that this is our house and stuff. But, like, he was good in game six. Like, but what I mean is, yeah, like, so he hasn't been productive in any of the three years we've seen him at Duke or the first two years, he's been really bad good shooting. Def- good, good, reasonably good perimeter defender. As and, but he guy. looks good, you know? Yeah, and, uh, um, and so other players like rave about Cam Reddish. He won that, like, who's going to be the best rookie over Zion, over RJ Barrett poll among yeah. fellow players. I saw some other high schoolers saying like, who's the best player they ever played against Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish. People are comparing him to Paul George. Like, I don't know why. Like, he he does look like aesthetically like he should be very he's, good. Yeah. He's probably not as athletic 
as Paul George. Like he's just not quite his athleticism is is a little bit less, I think, than people think just because of how he looks. But yeah, like this is why when we had that draft like last year, he was the type of guy that you draft early because if you get it right, he's a superstar. But if you get it wrong, he's, you know, and I don't even know that it's it's a, it's a little bit early to say that like it's not going to work for him, right? It, it, with Nate McMillan, maybe it will. I know there's a big part of the Hawks organization that thinks Lloyd Pierce was one of the biggest detriments to Cam Reddish. And, you know, maybe I, I've never known Nate McMillan to be this like outstanding players, offensive coach, but it, it's possible, I suppose that, you know, Nate's coached Paul George before and like, maybe he knows how to use Cam Reddish, but it, I mean, and this Paul is George a, didn't come in, you know, as a superstar either. No, he came yeah. in as like a defense, as like a, a perimeter defender who was like a jump shooter. And then, you know, they, slowly brought him along and all of a sudden now he's this like two-way killer when he's your number one option so you can't for me cam reddish is the biggest i I wouldn't say he's the biggest like tipping point on if the hawks are going to be really good but i've I've said this before that i think the hawks over under is going to be one of the things that i pay the most attention to on bovada to start the season next year because i think it's going to be pretty high based on how they played in the playoffs but the hawks window i don't think as is jammed wide open as as people think it is because like John Collins is a free agent this year, I would expect the Hawks to match whatever he's offered, right? I don't think that I'd want to personally pay John Collins $100 million, but, you know, if he decides that, you know, that's, if, if the league decides that's what he's worth, that's what he's worth. But then Herter is absolutely worth, you know, some sort of like four years, $80 million deal based on how he plays in the NBA. Trey Young's going to sign a max extension this coming summer, even though he's on the books for another year. You know, then you still have a Gallinari contract. You still have Bogdanovich. You, you just can't pay all these guys. It doesn't work that way. So for me, if Cam Reddish can turn into a good player next year right away, then it gives you an opportunity. Like, all right, we have DeAndre Hunter back. We still have Cam Reddish. We have Bogdanovich. We have all these guys that are really good right away. Like they could win a title in the next year or two, but it's got to be quick because like it's, you know, you just can't have three or four max guys on your team. And if like Kevin Herter is a, you know, max player and he's your fourth best option. It's going to be hard for the Hawks to win a title, I think, because like Trey is a superstar, no doubt about it. But that next level of guy, they they probably still don't have that guy. And they're going to be paying guys to be that guy that aren't, you know, the number two, if that makes sense. Hey, I yeah. agree with your general premise of they're going to be overhyped next year. I mean, that's why if Cam is that guy in two right. years, or, you know, Kong Wu blows up or DeAndre Hunter, you know, he's, he's good already. Yeah, but, Hunter's really good. Yeah. All yeah. right. But it's, it's looking ahead. You know, Brooklyn, if they're healthy and back, they're going to be really good. Milwaukee, healthy and back. Like, it's hard to pass those teams. So you're talking about a four seed, three seed, maybe. Right. Brooklyn, Philly. uh, Brooklyn, Philly. Milwaukee is going to be really good again next year. And then, you know, I would expect Boston to be a little bit better. Toronto probably has some better injury luck. The season's a little different. Like, there's a lot of competition for that, like, four, five, six, seven spot. Just like we said at the beginning of this year. And you don't want to let recency bias hurt you because, like, I think there's a realistic chance that Atlanta's behind Boston and, as you said, Toronto next year. I think Wait, there's why, a chance. Why couldn't the Wizards with like a good coach be as good as Atlanta? They could be, is my point. Like it's right. not. I don't or think Indiana, Indiana's Carlisle. Yeah, I mean, like, it's possible Atlanta. I think their range is like the three to seven range, maybe for next year. Do you also think it's? I, I would say there's some possibility that they could like win the East if everything. You know, they were the best yes. team in the East after Nate McMillan was. And again, this season is is a little bit tougher to judge based on how everything happened. They never got. Chris Dunn they had injuries at the start of the year you know Gallinari is 
as as we've said before, it looks like he's washed, but like he's just so valuable to like a good team right. on offense. I just think it's hard to get the ones because it's like even Milwaukee, you know, if they're back and healthy, it's like they've shown they can win 60 games if they yeah. want to. On cruise control, they're still going to be, you know, the three seed. They won 46 out of yeah, 72 they, this year. Milwaukee's really good. Um, and, but, and them, you know, them playing the future's loose. bright. I them, mean, like Atlanta looked good. I, we had to remember, though, that like Miami made the finals last year and then they didn't win a round. But it's, year, it's, so. it's funny. I don't know if anybody, though, has done more for their reputation than Trey Young in the last like month and a half, probably. Because like there's always that group of people that has talked about how good Trey Young is. And then, you know, there's a group of people that's like, well, he can't defend. He's not as good as Luca, blah, 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 blah. And like, he's not, he's not as good as Luca. Like, I just want to say that right now. But, you know, he did take a, a good team. The Hawks supporting cast is very good. Don't get me wrong. The Hawks have a very good supporting cast. Better than Dallas's supporting cast, in my opinion. But he, he took a team to the brink of the finals. Now they needed... Needed some luck. I don't know if they get there. Like full strength and B, they, they probably don't beat the Sixers. And Danny Green getting hurt was a big deal. And then, you know, like you've pointed out, they have a negative point differential in the playoffs. So there is some issues with the Hawks. They've won a lot of close games. The Bucks finally beat them in a yeah, close game. I, see, I, yeah, I'm a little less um, high on the Hawks just for that reason. Like, you just lost two games against Milwaukee. I think the three seed, I'll buy it. No, but I'm contender, saying I think they're pretty far away. So I, I don't do you, know. Do you think Trey? Do you think Trey, based on the last like month, this playoffs can be the best player on a title team? Is the question? Because yeah, I don't know I that I thought so. that before that, before this, and I do think it now. I, yeah, I've, would, al- I've always thought that was less of a high bar than other people, um, but. I mean, it's tough. This is going to be the first year in like a long time that the best player is not going to be like LeBron, Kawhi, KD, Steph, you know, like. Well, I think the key for the Hawks is like Iverson was a different kind of player, you know, Um, but just like run the offense through him. Those those Sixers teams were, you know, top 10 defensively, top five to kind of cover for him. For Hawks this year. 21st in defense they were getting better and better but i think that's their their key if they're going to win the title they're going to have to have like a really good defense and don't get me wrong like trey is a better this is going to sound insane but like trey's a better offensive player than Allen iverson it's just i mean efficiency wise yeah yeah he's better like it's you know he might not be better in the same league as as iverson was in you know 2000 but i think that's actually everyone asks like is he steph blah 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 but like i i actually think iverson is the right comparison for him especially because of how he plays like he has the ball so much and, and you, you do have a, a, a large deficiency. And like the thing with Iverson is it, it took a while to figure out the types of guys who could play with him and who like loved playing with him. Right. Like AI had a group of guys who would do anything for him, but they ran through some guys prior to that in the late nineties to figure out who that was going to be. And, you know, it was funny. I thought at the end of game six, you could definitely see some frustration with the Hawks players with how Trey played in the fourth and that's just natural. Like he's injured and, and he, you know, the, the fans love him. It seems like the team likes him, but he is the type of guy. I think that, you know, we'd heard about the infighting with him and John Collins, like Bogdanovich, who is just so spectacular to watch shoot, like just a, a super aesthetically pleasing offensive player. I, I could see him getting frustrated because he is a little bit of a hothead. And it's like, I think that the, the Hawks now have to learn, you know, we're not going to get back to the Eastern conference finals just because we were there before. Like, we're not going to have this amazing path, like, where everything seems right. to go right. Like, you have to figure out how to win, and you have to get through the fact of, like, everybody played well, everybody wants to get paid. Now, how do we stay together as a team? And I think that's a big deal for the Hawks moving forward. And 
I don't, I don't know if they have the right personalities for it, but I think Nate McMillan's a good guy to kind of lead the ship. If, we'll if we'll talk about like, you know, s- selling a stock at his high. Nate McMillan's agent is probably nice. like dancing around the halls. What are, the odds, what are the odds that Nate McMillan like asks for something and the Hawks say no and he just leaves? Like uh, Nate McMillan well, there, has, there was somebody on Twitter has like, leverage, right? But he doesn't have that oh, much leverage. Well, there's not that many jobs left. Somebody on Twitter is like, right. what if Orlando offers him 10 million a year? I think John Collins actually mentioned that. That would be insane. Um, Who's offering Nate McMillan 10, $10 million a year? Like that well, would be insane. Nate McMillan did great this year. Last time, do you know the last time Nate McMillan won a playoff series prior to this year? Seattle. Seattle in 20... Yeah. Zero zero five. It's just, it's um, like, look, I'm not saying that Nate's not the right guy for the job. He clearly has a really good relationship with Trey Young, which is the most important thing probably on the team. But it's like, come on now. He, he, his leverage is good. Like Atlanta wants to sign him, but it's not like he can't. He can't ask for Maria Taylor money. He's not getting eight million oh, a year. I didn't want to go into that. No, we're not. Um, but I'm just saying, like, he, although he you are that. being replaced next week, I didn't want to tell you that. But <laughs> don't start. Don't start. But I mean, what's he get like? Four years, $20 million. That seems fine, right? Like, it's good. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to pay him. There's no he's doubt. not going to be, he's not getting hired. Like, if he doesn't, if like, let's say Nate McMillan goes in and, and demands the world and then stands on his principles and walks out the room because they won't give him what he thinks he's worth. He's not getting Orlando. He's not getting New Orleans. And he's not getting Washington. So what's happening, right? Like, nobody's waiting on Nate McMillan. He's going to get paid. Hawks are going to do right by him. Sure. They probably have a ceiling on how good they can be because of Nate McMillan. But well, and also for rich owners, Tony Wrestler's rich, I think. Um, well, every owner is rich. Yeah, but like he's rich enough where it doesn't really matter. Where it's like, if we're paying the coach seven million versus five million, what's the difference? Who cares? Yeah, that's that's a fact. You can do that too. Like the the guy that really deserves a raise is your boy Travis Schlank because yeah, I like he him. he is legitimately. First of all, they were given a draft pick to take Lou Williams, who was useful in the playoffs, basically won on the one game against the Sixers. Yeah. But like his draft record is like spectacular, right? Like they have so many guys who were like late round first, late first round picks who are good players for them, right? Like Herder, Collins, like Okongwu is going to be a good player for them. And then like they, they draft Trey, obviously get a draft and, and they went like, that. I don't want to say all in, but they're like, I think we're good enough to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And they, spent for it it's, it works out better than they have to imagine i'm sure it doesn't always work out like that in basketball right it feels like in baseball teams do it and they get hot and they have like a good playoff run and they trade their prospects but like the hawks like you said they spent money in the offseason like they signed gallo they signed bogdanovich they signed chris dunn who didn't even play like they gave money to rondo but then recognized that was trash and then they wrote it out and made it to the eastern conference finals and it was like a fun ride like that's where it's fun to be like a fan of a sports team right because you didn't win the title, but like the Hawks fans loved this season. Yeah, that was, I would say there's very few teams that consider themselves a success when they're not winning a title. This is a success. I, yeah, Atlanta, maybe the only one aside, you know, who else would you even say of the non-title teams? That's interesting. Knicks, I would say. That the Knicks a were a success. Season. Yeah, Knicks yeah. were a success. Utah probably wouldn't consider themselves a success, right? Yeah, that's tough. What about Memphis? They made the Memphis, playoffs. Memphis pretty successful, I think. That's yeah. probably about it, though. I, I would agree with you. I actually think in, in a lot of ways the Clippers were successful, but like again, not yeah, preseason not enough. Maybe like Denver because Jokic won MVP. You can hang your hat on that. Yeah. So let's talk about the other series really quick yeah. too, just because I do want to talk a little bit about the Clippers. Uh, Phoenix closes them out. Chris Paul spectacular in Game Six. Um, no tur- like 38, 41 and no turnovers. Like just yeah, because we were kind of trashing him as like not their best player. He he looks pretty darn good in that. Devin Booker series. is their Devin Booker is their best player, but. 
Chris Paul, right ligament, right hand issues, torn ligaments in his in his thumb. He had struggled in games three, four, and five before the great game in game six, but the Suns are coming into the finals relatively healthy. Uh, the Clippers, I think, Zubach got hurt. It kind of was actually a blessing in disguise in game five, and then kind of like the luck just ran out. And, and again, you lose your best player. You know, I don't know. Kawhi, I'm assuming, will be healthy for game one next year. But now, obviously, the rumors are swirling about where he's going to be. I would expect him to resign in L.A., but who knows? He, he's he's out there a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I kind of want to say that I think the Clippers were successful because I, I, I think the change from Doc Rivers to Ty Lue had the effect in the locker room that people thought it would. They kind of unlocked this personality of like, we're going to be the underdogs a little bit and like, we're going to play really hard and this is going to be what we hang our hat on. And and I think ultimately they weren't quite talented enough to get there without Kawhi. Without Kawhi. But I think that's why it's disappointing because with Kawhi, I think they... They could have beaten the Suns. Yeah, I don't know that they would have. I mean, they were favorites with Kawhi, I'm sure. But I wonder about their window because it's, you know... Presuming Kawhi is going to be back 100%. I think that's fair. But they they have a lot of money on the books. I'm looking at their cap sheet right now. $140 million. And then you have, for example, over you know, you're paying Patrick Beverly, Rondo, and Luke Kennard, who I like, but overpaying him, it looks like right now. You know Those what Luke Kennard shot from the field in the playoffs? Not from three, from the field. Like 50%? I don't 71%. Know. I mean, he's, he's, he's making really good, money, But they don't, they don't seem to trust him. And so those Very those true. guys, those three guys, Beverly, Rondo, and Kennard, didn't play a lot, making a combined $35 million next year. Meanwhile, guys who did play a lot, Reggie Jackson's a free agent. Nick Batum's a free agent. So you probably want to bring those guys back. Yeah, Batum is going to get overpaid, I think, somewhere to be like a veteran swing like, yeah. man. So I, I would expect Batum. Batum's going to get somebody, a reasonable chunk of somebody's mid-level. And they say the Clippers max, according to the CBA, they can pay Reggie Jackson's ten million. But I think that's about fair, don't you think? You think yeah, he get more? I, than uh, I don't think he'll get more than that. I also think, you know, Reggie Jackson's made a lot of money in his career, right? He, he had yeah. that eighty-five million dollar deal with the Pistons, and everyone made kind of a big deal about his press conference after Game Six. But I think it's fair. I've talked about this before, where guys kind of undergo this metamorphosis of like who they are as a player in the NBA. And I think Reggie Jackson, like being just a, a good cog on a very good team it's like such an amazing thing to see from a guy who was like such a ball hog when he was younger like he was just such a pig and like him becoming like a valuable shooter and defender and buying into what people do like there's a chance that reggie jackson's like yo i just want to run it back like give me three years 15 million you know and the clippers well i think you know that's the good thing about having a super rich owner bomber can pay 10 million yeah bomber will pay the tax but like does it make sense for the knicks to pay him 12 million 14 million no reggie jackson i think the guy that we saw that was such a good player in the playoffs, he doesn't exist on a team that's not already good, in my opinion. Like, Reggie Jackson is, like, your fifth option. Yes. Like, I didn't even think that guy was a capable player until this year's playoffs. And that, that's kind of why I said this was a success a little bit because, you know, how many times have I yelled on here about, like, you you can run it back, but, like, if you do run it back, you have to understand, like, what your expectations are. The Clippers are one team I do feel – could run back the exact same roster and win the title next year. That's a, that was going to be my question. Like, do they need another move? I don't think so. They need a point guard, honestly. Like, that's what I well, feel. What about Reggie Jackson? You just talked talk to him up. I would like somebody who could actually John Rondo, 7.5 million next year. Man, that contract was unbelievable. Let me I, I would it like seems someone fully who, guaranteed, actually, too. It is. And then Serge Ibaka has a player option, and, like, I can't imagine how that wouldn't get picked up. It's like a player option for, like, 9.7 million yeah. or something. Like, yeah. 
if Serge Ibaka like mysteriously disappears right before the July 1st window, then so he can't pick up his option. We're going to find a note. That's like, if you can't find me, pick up my option. Like I just, yeah, but I agree. I think, I think the Clippers are, are set, roll it back. Hope everyone's healthy. I would want to probably like, I don't know. I would probably want to move off of Beverly. Like I just, I'm not saying that like he isn't useful to them and you know, his antics at the end of game six are, are amusing. Like he very clearly was trying to get Chris Paul to do something stupid and, and to Chris Paul's credit, he didn't. Now I'm sure Chris Paul said something to him. And like, I, Beverly's not a guy that I'd want to mess with. But like, if we're in a scenario where a guy like Patrick Beverly, who is important to what they do and his personality very clearly matters, but if he's in a, if we can't play him in series with good, with versus teams with good guards, then like, I think it, we can do better. You know, I, I think we can. Right. Find but I just don't know how do you get rid of $14 million. For yeah. Patrick he makes Beverly. a lot of money. Is his contract up after next year or does he have yes, still another like year on it? The next year for Rondo and Beverly. I, yeah. I will also say too, that the Marcus Morris contract, like we kind of were very critical of it, but he's so important to their yeah, success. He's, really he's such good. a good shooter. Like he's fairly paid. I, I, I was like, Pretty and Terrence Mann making two million next year is it's really helpful. Nice. Yeah. And then Zubac is is making like it's what fine. seven and a half. And yeah, so like Zubac fine. is fine. So so my thing is like obviously they have to figure out a way. Like they have to get Kawhi to stay. There's no reason why he wouldn't stay, right? But like he's not going to the Knicks. He's just not. But like it would be such if Kawhi blames the training staff and leaves. Still, somebody said Miami. So, you know, it's it would just I be so lame. I, mean, I just can't imagine that. Like what what where is he going to go? that like that he's going to have more success. Like he's not going to go play with LeBron. Like he just doesn't do that, but like he's comfortable in LA. Like that's, you know, he's from California. Like what's he going to do? He's going to go to Miami and like play with Jimmy Butler. Like, I, I, and they have a great training staff, but like, is that really what he cares about? And, and here's another thing. Like the Clippers have been a joke for like a long time. Right. But like with Steve Ballmer, like this organization is no longer a joke. Like there is, there's got to be very few organizations that treat their players as well as the Clippers do at this point, right? And so, like now, Kawhi well, and also, it. like, I, shout out to the Clippers because they took a massive risk with these trade, you know, trading for Paul George, and they, it might blow up in their face. But I, I'm not one of those titles or bust guys. Like they had two years, the last two years, where it's like they had a chance to win the title. They didn't do it for various reasons, but like, it really should have. That's the goal, though. I mean, like you know, give yourself a title worthy team. And, and, and here's and the thing: you're, you're only really in year two, and like so. Doc Rivers, it just didn't work with this group last year, right? So they move on from Doc Rivers. And I, and I think it's very clear to say that whether Doc Rivers is a good or bad coach, like the, this Clippers team is better with Ty Lue than they are with Doc Rivers. And and we've seen yeah. some of Doc's limitations in terms of how he uses players. We already saw that. Yeah, coaching is not a strength of his. No, it, it, it is. It is. There's more to coaching, but he certainly didn't help Ben Simmons this year like you'd expect. And, and it may... So maybe Paul George's comments on all the smoke where people were like, oh, he's a bitter, you know, bitter Betty. Paul George might have been right because watching Paul George like just be this like monster in the playoffs yeah. that we didn't see last year, I think is is a credit to Ty Lue. And I think we're going to just see them get more comfortable. And so for me, well, it's kind of Paul George showed what we we're talking about earlier, where it's like. Look, if he's the second option, I'll give you 20. If he needs to be the first option, he'll get you yeah. 25. Like he's capable. He's of just like that. a better version of Chris Middleton, which yeah, is definitely. great. It's not even a knock on Chris Middleton. Like, yeah. I just think like, I think we were texting about this, right? Like, where is Paul George in your list of like best players in the NBA? Cause like there was that he finished third for the MVP. So maybe he's a top 10 guy. And then there was last year. It's maybe he's not, but like, he's firmly in the mix for that. Like, 10th to 15 range like he's right in there it just kind of depends on what you want especially because of the havoc he creates on the defensive end but 
like for me, if the Clippers, you know, re-sign Kawhi and he just does another like one, he should just keep doing one plus ones and then just, you know, decide what he wants to I think he's going to take a max. It's because, I mean, the health would scare me at this point. So do you think he'll take the same deal as Paul George? Like he'll take a three plus two? Yeah, he should. I think he should personally. If I was advising him, I'd be like, look, you know, you're riding the high of the title two years ago, but like you're great game to game, but it. I can't count on you to get 80 games plus yeah. the playoffs. And, and the mean, Clippers have like, been very reasonable. The Clippers have been very reasonable with him in terms of game management, load management, all that stuff. Like they, they have been super on board with how he wants to play. And so I just don't think there's going to be anywhere that he's going to go. That's going to be a better fit and it's going to be better to him. So like, I would expect him to resign. Right. And like I, I said, I, I think they'll tinker on the edges. I think they'll try to improve at the guard spot. I'm not sure how they'll do it, personally because they, they really don't have a lot to, to maneuver with but like you said you know Balmer will overpay some guys and pay, go into the tax if he has to because the, the Clippers they're dangerous for sure like the Clippers are definitely right there to win a title in the next couple of years hopefully maybe break through the demons like like the Bucks yeah. and, and at least get there and then their opponent the Suns yeah, let's talk about the finals team. You can't yes. really, you can't really say enough. I think about Phoenix and the job they've done. And it's, it's funny because I've criticized their ownership for the whole time we've done this podcast. And it seems like they kind of just backed off and James Jones appears to have done a great job. It sounds like he is the primary decision maker. And then Monty Williams, you know, they, they play really hard and they've built a roster as we talked about that has very few true flaws they're just a really good team they maybe don't have like that one mvp candidate just yet right. but like they're just a very very good team and so like, and i think part of it you know in my big picture people are going to be like this asterisk you know everyone got hurt no i mean it's not phoenix i, I want to look up the exact numbers but they might have had the best record this year including the playoffs they have the se- well they have the second best record of the regular season right but Utah. now including the playoffs i think they probably pass utah right win percentage wise i think I think if the Bucks and the Suns were both fully healthy, I think that it would be a very reasonable NBA Finals matchup. I don't right. think this Phoenix team at full strength is better than a number of teams in the NBA. No, I agree. Straight. I mean, look, like you avoided Anthony Davis, you avoided Jamal Murray, you, you know, yeah. you avoided you avoided Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, like, and so, maybe Giannis. You know, like that's so, like an All Star team. No, right and so again, it's it's. But you have you can only beat who you play, and and the Suns have, right. But this that was my point. Like so the Suns Phoenix, have beaten who they played handily in the playoffs this year, this season. Phoenix had the best overall record. Milwaukee's had the best overall record the, combined the last three. Seasons. The last three years, yeah. yeah. So these teams are very like worthy of competing. And then also, this was a point I was making. I don't know if it was to you or somebody else. Everyone's like, oh my god, you know, injuries, injuries so unexpected so disappointing not terribly unexpected anthony davis got hurt he was hurt all season long it happened Kawhi leonard is always hurt he's hurt yeah. you know Kyrie irving's hurt all the time like these are not yeah, like the, the true, healthiest guys the, the true talking. ones that were that were bad were like harden never gets hurt right he's yeah but then there was the trade demand was he in shape was he not you and know? then and then like jamal murray torn acl and then i think yeah, like, that again, was unusual and then the, the Giannis one is is tough because Giannis is the same way. Like he just plays all the time. So, I mean, but Phoenix has the, ironically, the Sixers have the best. But it's not like, in the playoffs, but like Phoenix Anthony Davis getting hurt. is not like Cal Ripken getting hurt. You know? no, like he was and, hurt all season. And the same, and the same thing with Kawhi. You're, you're right about that. I, I'm, I'm, I don't think 
personally, all the injuries like stink just because it makes the playoffs a little bit worse. And you're kind of just like holding your breath, but like Trey and Giannis getting hurt in the Eastern conference finals, like that sucked, man. Like it just was bad. Yeah, It was, but, like, it, was Phoenix, not, it was disappointing. I'm just saying it was not unexpected. And Phoenix, you know, like Chris Paul's had the shoulder injury. He had the health and safety protocols. He's got his hand thing going on now. So like, it's not like Phoenix is a hundred percent healthy, but it seems like Cam Johnson's going to be back. And again, I, I think Povada is right to have Phoenix as a, as a, reasonable favorite without Giannis because like the Suns just don't really make a lot of mistakes. Like they know well, how get they into that. So you're saying they're a five point favorite in game one, six point favorite in game one, six point favorite. and minus minus one seventy five for the series. Minus one set. Uh, yeah. Minus one seventy for the series. Let me check. It might've been. Yeah. Minus one seventy. And, and I think there's some value on the bucks here. I'm not really, a, I'm not really a guy to like tell you what series prices are good or bad, especially like not knowing what's going to happen with Giannis. But I, I think the bucks have proven I think like just from a matchup perspective, the Bucs can't really play drop coverage perfectly against the Suns because Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both like, you know, obviously spectacular mid-range jump shooters. But there is like some merit to the way the Suns play kind of playing a little bit into the Bucs' hand because they want to play that way. They need to play Brooke Lopez. The Bucs are so much bigger than the Suns, right? They, we, you've mentioned this a bunch. Like the Suns don't have a backup center. Like if Aiton doesn't play they're tiny. The Bucks hammered Atlanta on the glass. So like I could see the Bucks trying to play drop coverage and being like, take as many mid-range jumpers as you want. We're going to bomb away from the outside and just have Tucker and Connington just hammer the offensive glass and just try to just pound the, the Suns into submission and just like win that way. But I, I think the Bucks also have played a, like a six man rotation for a long time. And then they, they kind of just figure like, all right, it's either going to be Bobby Portis or Bryn Forbes are going to be those other two guys and figure out where they can play them. But like game six, they got a big contribution from Jeff Teague. I wouldn't expect that to happen. I, I think that playing Jeff Teague would be a disaster in this series, but he'll get some minutes. I don't know if Bryn Forbes will be able to stay on the floor. Cause there isn't a, there isn't really a spot on Phoenix's roster where you can just hide a bad defender like you can, you can kind of play a guy on Jay Crowder, but like if you leave Jay Crowder alone, he'll just shoot 15 threes and he might, might make five of them and then you lose. Right. So I, I think that the lack of depth is ultimately going to hurt the Bucks, especially if Giannis can't go, you know, that goes. Without yeah. Saying. I think that Brad Forbes point is really a good one. Um, and even Connington, who's okay. It's like, it's, it's hard to be thin in the backcourt. Yeah. against the Suns. I mean, they're going to play... I, it'll be I interesting. Think, who do you think they'll start Drew on? That's the more interesting one. Yeah. Like, does Drew start on Chris Paul? I think he has to. And, and then, then, yeah, maybe. And then, Tucker, and, then, and then Tucker guards Devin Booker, but like... Well, you keep saying that. I don't see that, personally. I, I think they're just going to have to play, like, Connington on him or something and just well, not try gonna, to, like, live with it. They're not going to start Pat Connington. He certainly will guard Devin Booker. But, like, P.J. Tucker... I see. I don't see the point of P.J. Tucker playing that much this series. I mean, but they don't have, he's like a, a, an unless you think bomb. he is, unless he's like, you know, Rodman who's going to sh- guard everybody, but I just don't I do see think that. he'll do that. I do think he'll do that. I, I, I mean, PJ Tucker is certainly a good defender, so we're not going to like sit here. And no, but I mean, not. he's a good defender against like six, four guards. I don't know. Um, I, I think I, he did Milwaukee's, a pretty good job in the, the, the times that he was like matched up on Trey. He did a really good job on Kevin Herter. He like really, and, and obviously Kevin Herter is not as good as Devin Booker, but like he did a very good job on Kevin Herter, but Herter's also like six, seven too. So I don't know. You might well, be I right. The, I think the key for the Bucks is going to be 
without Giannis. It's like, can they play Bobby Portis a good amount? Yeah, I don't and, think so. I mean, they're going to have to, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but. but like, you know, I think, you know, when we talked about the series, we're looking ahead like a week or two ago. I'm like, I think Aiton's going to guard a little more Giannis than you did. But I think that's hard to do because Brooke can score, Portis can score. So like, it's, it's going to have to be on one of those guys. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me. It, it wouldn't totally stun me to see the Bucks come out and play big, like play a very big. Yeah, I think so. Because like the the Suns bigs, you know, Sarge is okay, but he's a little undersized. You know, then you have Jalen Smith's not ready. Kaminsky's okay, actually. But I mean, he played, I don't know if they he trust played a them. bunch of minutes. So that these two teams played twice in the regular season. The Suns won both games by one, uh, the second game in overtime. And in the second game, I think Kaminsky started at power forward. Now, Drew didn't play in that second game. And again, here's another thing. With- but so that's a good question. Say you're, you're Milwaukee, you know, you're, you're on the staff, Coach Bud. So, like, what's your winning formula without Giannis? Do you think it is to go big? Do you think it's to play Drew on Chris Paul? I would probably – I mean, I, I, you, you don't really have a ton of options, right? So, if I'm going if, to – if I don't have Giannis, right? So, we don't have Giannis. Giannis is not playing. You're Let's probably, say at least for two games. You're starting what? You're, you're playing Drew. You're playing P.J. Tucker. You're playing Chris Middleton. You're playing Brooke. That's four, your four starters right there. I think Bobby Portis I, – I just – it's it's really hard because – Teams just hunt Bobby Portis and like, yeah. I mean, but he can guard. You could probably, you could credibly put Bobby Portis on a guy like Mikel Bridges or Jay Crowder. Like you could do it. I'm not saying it's it's a recipe right. for success. That, that was going to be my formula too. It's like put Bobby Portis in for his scoring. And then try to hide him on Crowder. And if Crowder gets a bunch of threes, that's what I'm trying to live with. Yeah, maybe you can play smaller. Because like, here's the thing. They're never going to adjust. And it's never going to be like Jay Crowder is going to be like posting up. Like, you know, you were, right. were kind of making the comment about like, why can't the Bucks post? Uh, if I remember this, correct, like, why can't the Bucks Tucker, post right. P.J. Tucker? And it's like, well, you don't really want to do that. And that, that's that's sort of why you want to I was thinking see against that. Trey Young, by the way. Not no, no, I, again. Yeah. And, and, and I think the way that you take advantage of that type of mismatch is that you just you just hammer the offensive glass because they're just not gonna you know you're but not that, gonna that's how i like i think pj tucker to me i'm like if he's sort of in there as a stopper i don't think he can stop devin booker at all or slow him well, down no, but, well, so like stop devin booker no is, but even guard also, him like i don't think he's even a guard him so i don't know who's gonna I, guard I mean, him then that's my question who is guarding him I'm saying, but if it's if he's not guarding Booker, I don't see the point of PJ Tucker guarding to in there to guard Jay Crowder. Who cares? Um, well, you put him in there because he just spaces the floor and he rebounds. And P, here's the thing: PJ Tucker, no matter what we think of him, is playing 35 minutes a game in this series. Like, I don't think so. I, I wh- who else is going to play? <laughs> Give me Dante Divincenzo. Right, hold on a second. Let back. me look. God, that would be awesome. I don't even think I. I, I truly believe, like, without with Divincenzo, like this series would be much closer. Even if Harris right. didn't play. All right, let me ask you a question. How many minutes do you think PJ Tucker played in the Eastern Conference Finals per game? 30? 32 minutes a game. Correct. Now, let's talk with the Giannis injury in games four and game five. How many minutes do you think PJ Tucker played? Wait, say without Giannis? Yeah. Uh, game, I'm sorry, games five and game six because he they, they obviously. 35 minutes? I don't know. All right. So game five, PJ Tucker played 38 minutes. We rounded up 37-40. And then game six, where he was actually quite good, uh, he played 33 minutes. So, like, he's playing 30 minutes a night. It's just happening. He's playing 32 minutes a game in the playoffs. So, like, I just don't see... Well, know, it's, it's just... It's more they don't have another guy to play. Like, they're not... Thanasis isn't coming in the game to guard Devin Booker, Zan. Like, so... 
this is, is, this it is, is like, an it's, issue. It's this is a big there. issue for the Bucks, for sure. Is it all, it's not like an Achilles heel because they're not, you know, bad, Dante DiVincenzo and Pat Connington, but it's the weakest part of this particular team. And it's just now with DiVincenzo out, it's like, it, it is like an Achilles heel. And now you're playing, you know, Paris, you know, shooting arrows or whatever. Like this is like, they ha- they can exploit the matchup yeah, I, that you're weakest at. But I think that's why, so this, this would be kind of my thought process on that. I think that's why... When campaigns in the game, I think the the Bucks will probably just be fine in drop coverage because he's not an amazing shooter. He certainly made himself into a very good player, but he would just torch guys on switches. So I think they'll be fine to drop. I don't know what they'll do with Booker and Chris Paul because, I mean, as we know, like Chris Paul is just not going to be bothered with the oh stop shooting twos like mid range jumper like he'll shoot fifty mid range jumpers if you just give him the elbow every single time. So. I think we'll see some switching. I think we'll see some like more of like Middleton ending up on him or, or PJ Tucker too, just for length and like physicality, you know, cause you can kind of get Chris Paul of his game, but with Devin Booker, I don't know that the Suns just want to like throw him in pick and roll over and over and over again against this specific team, because it doesn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like a great use of Devin Booker when like you need to, you need to make some threes, you you need some creation, but also like you can get the bucks in rotation and he can really attack because that's the one thing, like you said, like PJ Tucker laterally, he doesn't move amazing for a guy his age. He moves fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but like, yeah, like, is he going to close out perfectly and be able to move his hips and fast feet if Devin Booker like just attacks the rim on a closeout? I don't know. I don't know. Well, that. Can, explain. Could you do this? If you're Milwaukee, say, okay, Drew Holiday, he'll guard Chris Paul, try to disrupt him. I think that, that'll be, they'll do that a lot. And I think the Bucks, I, th- I do think the Bucks will be very, very aggressive in passing lanes. I think they'll need to force turnovers because I think in the half court, their defense is going to be. But, and then I was going to say, can Middleton guard Booker? And no. then you just, you just live with Connington on bigger forwards and just daring them to shoot threes. No, Middleton can't guard Booker. Like Chris Middleton is a good player. His defense is overrated because I think, when guys like Chris Middleton become good players and their, their, their play is mostly buoyed by spectacular offense, but they're like a second or third option. I think guys just tend to like hand the good defender to them. And because Chris Middleton is like six, nine, but he's all arms and legs. I think people think he's a really good defender. I think he would get torched by Devin Booker. I think it'd be really bad. And so I think that's, that's basically why I think Tucker is the option. I just don't, I don't know what else you could do. Like I, Connington will certainly guard him, but and it it shows you from from Phoenix's point of view, like this sort of calculus is so much easier because it's like, okay, Chris Middleton get good hot, but we have Mikel Bridges, you know, Jay Crowder if we need to. Like they have wing defenders. Like the matchup without Giannis really does favor them. Yeah, and and again, you know, they'll play Cam Johnson at the four, and and you can play Bobby Portis in that scenario. I think so. That's okay. You know, Mikel Bridges. Middleton will do fine on him and we'll, we'll see Middleton in stretches on Devin Booker and Middleton on Chris Paul in some stretches as well. But the Suns probably really need to take advantage of Booker in this spot. And that's why I don't know. Like I, I I can't, I should look it up right now, but I'm not sure what the finals MVP odds are on Bovada, but I would expect Chris Paul is the favorite just because it's Chris Paul, but Booker's odds probably need to be be close. Cause it's like Booker, you know, if Booker averages 30 a game, you know, he's probably going to get it. I bet I can, I bet I can find it. I don't know. I, I'm surprised that you're so down on, I'm surprised that you're so down on, uh, 
PJ Tucker as a defender, honestly. Well, I just think against guards, like I, I think he's he's just too big and, and too heavy. I, I just don't see it. Um, but we've seen him do this a ton, you know. Like we've seen him be able to somehow manage to, you know, make a. <laughs> I don't know, like somehow managed to be very reasonable as a defender against guys. That but he's sort of like as a boxer, he's, he is like a boxer, but he's like Butterbean as a boxer, you know, he's like, no, he's he's like not, slugging out. That's rude to PJ Tucker. Not like you don't Mayweather. think that's, you don't think that's rude to PJ Tucker? <laughs> um, I want you to find these odds, but I think, um, I think Booker could get really hot depending. It's basically like who's Drew Holiday not guarding. Maybe bet on that guy for finals. MVP. I, I will say too, that if I'm, if I'm the Bucks, like one of the biggest things, uh, all right, updated. Yeah. Chris Paul's a favorite. Give me one second. I'll read these to you. One of the things that was really good about the Hawks series was that like Drew Holiday just decided to be aggressive on offense. I, I thought he was absolutely terrible in games two, three, and four. And then in games five and six, he was really aggressive, hunted shots. He's not the best shooter, obviously, but when he's, you know, setting guys up and he's getting to the rim. Like he had some huge buckets in the fourth quarter of game six when like, you know, the, the yeah. Hawks were. And I think the Bucks like did that in, in game six and the Hawks. Like they have to, even without Giannis, you have to attack because that's when Drew Holiday's is its best. They have size, but even without Giannis. All right. Well, first of all, the best value, PJ Tucker plus 25,000 to, <laughs> to win. No. So Paul plus 175, Booker plus 240, Giannis plus 375, Middleton plus 550, Drew plus 900, Aiton plus 2,500. And then I, everyone I think is- Booker plus 240 is a good bet. But then it's relying on the Suns. I mean, I think it's all it's simplistic. Do we have like, to make a pick on this show? Like, are we are we doing that where we pick who wins yeah. the finals? And MVP. I would. I think it's going to come down to this. Like, can Phoenix Chris Paul has- is going to win MVP if, if, like, they win the title, right? It's just, he like I don't think to. so. I think it's going to be Booker. Because I think their formula to win the title is Booker scoring 30 points a game. Um, I don't think Chris Paul has that ability with Drew Holiday on him to really dominate in the way that he did against the Clippers. Because the Clippers have been being torched by guards all year long. That's true. That is... The, the Bucks are really good defensively, though. Obviously, like, no Giannis is a big deal. But, like, with Giannis, like, DiVincenzo matters from an offensive rebounding perspective, and he gives you another body to throw at guards. Like he's like the perfect guy to put on Devin Booker for a long time or let Drew guard Booker and put. But what, what if we're talking about this, like Giannis is missing the first two games. What if I, he comes back at 80%? How much does that change the series? I mean, it definitely changes. I think it makes the series much more. I, I think it makes the bucks a favorite. Let's let's if Giannis is capable of giving us like a credible Giannis performance in a seven game series, like, I mean, the guy averaged 33 and 13 so far in these playoffs. Like my, if you exclude a game, when did he get hurt? Game four? Yeah, game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think that it makes the Suns have to make a really tough decision. So, like, the good news for for you P.J. Tucker haters out there is when Tucker plays, you can just hide Booker on him, right? You don't have yeah. to, like, hunt Booker. But at a certain point, you know, you, you have Mikel Bridges, you have Aiton, you have Jay Crowder. So Crowder gets that first shot at Giannis, I'm sure. Aiton will take some of it, but, like, you, you absolutely cannot put – Mikel Bridges on Giannis, like he'll, he'll just get crushed. You can't put Cam Johnson on him. You, you can almost like never put a guy like Frank Kaminsky in the game. Right. So I think that Giannis just makes the Bucks so much harder to guard. I know how crazy it sounds. Cause everyone's like, Oh yeah, Giannis, like it's really easy to guard, but it hasn't been that way. He's just yeah. been destroying everything in his path in the playoffs. And so, I think if you're looking at a weak spot for the Suns, there's not many, but I think it would be like bigger, a guy like Giannis. Bigger yeah. wing, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, when you have Middleton and Giannis, and it's so integral for the Suns to play Aiton, 
I think it gives the Bucks an opportunity to be like, all right, where where do they struggle? Like, do, do, is it hard for them against small lineups? Can we go bigger? Can we play like Brooke, Giannis, Middleton, Connington, and Drew, and just be and just hammer them on the glass, like hammer them in the half court, like, and that's that's where the Suns I think will struggle a little bit because you know Chris Paul is not a big guy, campaign is very slight, Mikel Bridges is very slight, Cam Johnson very slight. Like, you basically have Jay Crowder, you have DeAndre Ayton, and then Booker is like a passable NBA physique, but he's a bad defender. So where on on that are you going to have somebody who can really be a defensive stopper? Like what happens if Jay Crowder gets three fouls in the first quarter? Like it's, yeah, it's you can't really- play Sarge. You can't play Kaminsky. Cam Johnson is, would have trouble. Maybe if, if Giannis is slower, like if he's like, let's say he's a four or five in the 40 and he's down to like four seven, like maybe Cam Johnson can guard him. But um, I think so I just, it's tough. Cause like they post Giannis too. Like, and so you're just, in my opinion, like you're just kind of in a scenario where if you're the Suns, like not having Giannis is like the best case scenario for you because you don't really know. And they you, have to take advantage. They have to step on their throat and win two right off the bat. I, think. I mean, you're, we're just saying that Giannis is not going to play. But I, I mean, I, again, I don't know the answer to that. And I, I do think we're going to see Chris Paul struggle early. I, I don't think, I don't know. I guess like... I. I just think that it's it's Drew Holiday is like such a big defender that I think yeah. it's really tough for small guards against him. I'm not saying that it's like a lock that Chris Paul. Well, and also Chris Paul game, can like bully some guards, and he can't do that with Drew. He can't do that with Drew Holiday. So, but so give me this. So, I think the key is the first two games can I, Phoenix just jump on their step on their throats, go up two zero, and then really demoralize them. Or can alternatively, if Milwaukee can win one out of two without Giannis, one out of three even. And then Giannis comes back for game four. I kind of like their chances. Yeah, maybe. If it's if it's two to one and the Bucks yeah. are in game. But again, you still have to win one extra game and like you still don't have home court advantage. I also think I saw- we'll see. I do I, I meant to mention this, but I Tory Craig was on the Bucks, right? And now he's on the Suns <laughs> yeah. for, for nothing. And I think we'll see Tory Craig on Giannis some. If, if yeah. Giannis is healthy, I think we'll de- I think we'll definitely see Craig on Middleton if Middleton starts to go like nuts a little bit. Because like the thing with Crowder, we've talked about this before. There, there's a little bit of a, like an activity thing with him, where it's like it looks like a lot of good things are happening, yeah. but he's still getting torched. And and he is a good defender. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think he competes. He's not he, gonna be scared, right? And and he makes open shots. Whereas like Tory Craig is like an absolute oh, zero on is, all. Is Bovada? Is there an over under for a PJ Tucker, uh, Jay Crowder fight? <laughs> oh man, that'll be great. Have they gotten into a fight before? No, I, I don't like, know. But you could just see like one of the things. I do feel like PJ Tucker. But if he, if he, this is going to sound insane to say, but like if PJ Tucker kind of like rediscovers 2019 or like the 2018 form of like him as a shooter, he just breaks corner threes these days. And obviously he made a huge one in game six against the Hawks, like with under a minute to go. But like if PJ Tucker shoots 40 ish percent from three in this series, even if Giannis doesn't come back, I think the, I think the Bucks are going to be a tough out. Because like if you can't hide somebody on him, like if you can't just plop your worst defender in the paint, and he's just killing you on corner threes, like three, four, but eight. I just haven't game. seen that. No, no, yeah. we haven't. I'm not, yeah. I, don't, I, I wouldn't expect it to happen. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I just I, love PJ Tucker. I, I, it's interesting because it's know, like the I, Suns like play slow, but I think you're right. Like Milwaukee wants to make it ugly. Yeah, they'll play. Fa- Milwaukee will play fast. Don't get me wrong. Like Milwaukee yeah. will get out. They'll fire threes. Like they'll take. They, they've played, in my opinion, Milwaukee's been quite fortunate in this playoffs. Obviously, like. They got the, they, got the, you know, Kyrie got hurt. They, they shouldn't have won game three against the Bucks anyway. But then, like, Durant stepped on the line in game seven when, you know, he could have ended the series, all that nonsense. But, like, 
Milwaukee seems to be playing a good bit looser to me. Like I, I, I thought if they were going to lose to the Hawks, like if they were the same old Bucks, I thought game six was, was like, we'd watch them blow a big lead and then they'd, they'd come out and just lay it. They almost did. And, they, and they didn't do it. Like Drew and Chris Middleton and those guys, like they stepped up and they made shots late. And I think that that's a big I really hope I, I, just to, I mean, like I was actually talking, I was going to take Milwaukee to win the series. Just studying it, looking at it, looking at the depth of Phoenix. It's I mean, you're talking to, about guys like campaign can play 20 minutes. Each one more, doesn't, more than but he could. Minutes. Yeah. I mean, Tory Craig can give you 20 minutes. Kaminsky's okay. He can give you 15. Also minutes. like, are the bucks going to get tired at some point? I, yeah. I hate to say that, but like Middleton has played a ton of minutes in the playoffs. I, I can't imagine there's anybody that's played more minutes than Chris Middleton. I actually can look that up, but um, I, it you feels know, so, like the bucks like deserve to win just because they've had this like three year run, but it's going to be really tough without Giannis. So, I mean, do you? I have. There was a hypothetical I saw on Reddit. I thought it was interesting. What's the fewest games Giannis could play and still win Finals MVP? So, like, give, I'll give you a scenario. Like, he's got to play like four games. If, if he, if, like, so? if he comes back, in, okay. Like, let's say they're down three zero, and Giannis comes back in Game Four and scores. And they like, win four. And they win four straight. And he yeah, so at least like, four. Yeah, four would be guaranteed. But even if they were down three two. And he came back and won with two big games. I think he might win Finals MVP. Then mm. I think two is the least. Maybe. One I is. I don't think happen. so. Not two. Uh, also, by the way, Paul George far and away the leader in minutes played in the playoffs, seven hundred and seventy-six. But minutes. don't you think? Oh, going back to Giannis' question, if they were down, th- no, he three, needs to play one. four. He has to play four games. He cannot. If they play, were down three-one and he no. came back and won three in a row, you don't think I don't he would think win so. Final? I don't think, I think so. I think he I, definitely would. The counting stats are too great, and he didn't play in all their wins. Yeah, but so how like, often do you see counting raw totals in Finals MVP? Talk? We see it sometimes. Uh, Middleton and Drew Holiday have both played six hundred and sixty plus minutes. Devin Booker's played six hundred and fifty minutes. So I, I would imagine that, that like the tired narrative is not a big thing. It's not going to happen, but I think you're dead wrong about that. If 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 Phoenix was up three one, Giannis comes back as Giannis and wins three in a row. That's a hey, guarantee. What if, what if Chris Middleton averages thirty and, and yeah? But if 12. they're down three one, he could but he can't be doing that well. I mean, we don't know that he could do really well, and they could still lose. I mean, we've seen this happen before. Like LeBron damn near averaged a triple double in 2014, and they were never in the series. Like that stuff happens. I just I don't know. I mean, I, I think. I would so what's your prediction? Like, say, it's hard, impossible to know. Yeah. Suns in six. If Giannis isn't playing, like, I, I want to be able to like go back and edit this if Giannis is playing. Because I, <laughs> well, I do let's, think, let's say that. Like, let's let's give it a caveat then. Like, give me a prediction if Giannis doesn't play at all. Suns, Suns in Sun, maybe Suns in five. I don't know. Yeah, Suns, I might say I, Suns, Suns in six was kind of like my hedge that Giannis comes back and plays like three games. Or okay, something. now let's say Giannis plays every game. Probably not at hundred percent, but let's just say he plays every game. It's a good question. Hmm. Maybe this was good for Giannis. He got a little rest. I'll pick the if Giannis plays every game, I think the Bucks win the series. Uh, I think so too. And so let's say he misses two games. What would you pick? I'm picking Suns and Six. Like that's right. my pick. I, I don't know. Like honestly, I hope Giannis plays game one and I hope I'm wrong. And I think the Bucks are I think Bucks and Six is very reasonable if Giannis is healthy. Um I don't think the Suns this is this is not a knock on Chris Paul, but I don't think the Suns have a dynamic like Trey Young is really dynamic and he really just like stretches and, and and forces your defense to make a lot of adjustments. And while Chris Paul is spectacular and he rarely makes mistakes and he's an amazing leader, I just don't think that he he forces the Bucks to have to make as many choices as a guy like Trey Young does because you know Trey has so many floaters. He's such a gifted passer and and it's not that Chris Paul isn't that good anymore because he certainly is is great. 
but I don't think that he makes the Bucks have to do so much differently. And so that's the reason why I think this is a little bit of a better matchup because I'd want to make Bud have to make adjustments. And I don't know that the Suns specifically match up well enough to make that have to happen. Now, it might. I, I could be totally wrong, but Chris Paul with like kind of a banged up shoulder with a messed up hand, like I don't think he's as good as, you know, in this playoffs, he's not been nearly as good as, as Trey Young. And I think that that's going to be a plus for the Bucs. And so I think with Giannis, I think the Bucs are better. And I think the Bucs would probably win in six. Yeah, I, I think they would win in seven. I mean, look, it'll be, hopefully we get some good series. I know everyone's down on this playoffs, but. We've had, I mean, we've had good games. Like Bucks. Yeah, there's Bucks been a lot of game good six games. was a pretty good game. Bucks Hawks game five was a pretty good game because we didn't expect it, right? Like, And the Clippers Suns, there was good games. There were good games. Like, yeah. Even if it was 4-2 or whatever. Um, this is, I, I have been critical of the league all year about the schedule and the injuries and stuff, but like. I mean, we can just take the asterisks and throw them out the window. Both yeah, the totally. Suns, both the Suns and the Bucks are very good teams. I do think, but Phoenix, that, that's like my argument against this injury stuff. Like to blame the schedule again, just to reiterate, Anthony Davis barely played this year. I, I he didn't. He was not overworked. I Kawhi was not overworked. Too. Harden took off like three months. We had so overworked. many soft tissue injuries. I think it's hard, which are generally come from overuse. I think it's hard to to say the schedule didn't play any role. But I, I also yeah, agree I mean, with playing you. games. Yeah, there's a risk. I mean, Trey but... Young stepped on an official's foot. Like Kyrie Irving stepped on Giannis's foot. Like those aren't because of the schedule. Don't you know? I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just saying it just sucks. And, and there are I, I think I think it's a more systemic issue. Is I think it's just really hard to play basketball these days and yeah, to run around of, as much as they do. There's and, a lot and, of games and a lot of travel and like, it's well, and also just like the pace, you know, and just running and trying hard on defense, which, you know what, they didn't do necessarily in the seventies. <laughs> That's true. Everyone says the defense was better, but it's like, no, the players were just a lot worse. Like, it's just not how this, this operates, but this is a good, in my opinion, like maybe we'll go back in the off season when we have nothing going on and we'll talk kind of about where we power rank the finals winners but like, I do think this Bucks team is worse than just even the Bucks of like two years ago. Sure. But obviously, they're much worse without DiVincenzo and Giannis. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that I think that this like Suns team is better than the 2019 Raptors. I think they're probably worse than that team. So like, yeah, it's just, probably it's one of the worst title teams I can remember. But it's, it's of, not a, it's not like a total fluke. Like these are top five teams. Do you think Miami last year is better than either of these teams? No, I don't. I, think so. I don't think so either. That's my point. Yeah. So it's like I do think like. Full strength Nets, full strength Clippers, full strength Lakers are are all three better. That, you know, that's kind of like a, you nailed it. They, they both feel like they're worthy finals teams, but not necessarily worthy title. Teams. Yeah, not the best team. And I, I think like full strength Utah is better than than Phoenix, but we didn't get to see it, and and so it doesn't matter. And like that's where you know full strength Philly might be better than Phoenix too. But I think like they're right in there. And and the Bucks we know are if Giannis plays, the Bucks are an absolutely worthy title team. And so that's where, you know, this, this should be a pretty good matchup in my opinion. I'm, I'm very curious to see. I'm very curious to see how the Bucks guard in game one. That's, that's probably the one thing I want to, I want to pay the most attention to because it does feel like Phoenix gets let off the hook just a little bit Zan and that they, they don't have to figure out how to guard Giannis and Middleton right away. And so that'd be why I'd want Giannis to play obviously for the talent level, but like, it's always fun to see what coaches do right away and then kind of look back on it in game four and game five and be like, all right, this is, these are the changes they made. And I think the biggest one for the Bucks early is like, you know, what do you do with Drew Holiday? Because yeah. he almost has to guard Chris Paul, but like if Devin Booker's just lighting your ass up for 40, you know, what, what do you do? You know, do you just put Drew on him or, or do you just 
bury PJ Tucker or bury Bobby Portis and let PJ Tucker guard Jay Crowder and play Connington a million minutes. It's probably um, it, honestly. It'd right? be it's funny. Just, it, it, I'm looking at the Bovada. They have a, you can bet on specific assist figures. Um, it's pretty you good. could you could bet on a Finals MVP, obviously. It'd be interesting to see like the the you know media, you know casuals basically like the ones who are just into the narrative like how bad does chris paul have to be not to get it i was gonna say if chris paul if they let's say they win like let's say they win in six they win four two and he has a good closeout game six like they win in milwaukee and he averages like 19 and nine on like reasonable shooting numbers that's probably good enough unless unless booker averages like 38 a game or something you know as long as i'm on this page can i give you a prop that i really like it's actually about the draft lay it on me this is easy money. I'm trying to give listeners money here. Um, Cameron Thomas, your buddy from LSU, who's just like a super scorer and all he does is shoot and score. Um, but I think that's kind of trendy right now. You see it with Trey Young. Like his three-point percentage isn't great because he's taking bad threes. He takes but, a ton of bad shots, yeah. But he gets to the line eight times a game, shoots 88% from the line. I think teams are going to – that's like sort of like the analytical – formula that they look at for scoring he's a very firm first round pick i would imagine what what where is it saying over Over under under 23 and a half pick i think he's gonna go higher i think he's gonna go in the teens at least i have a better one for you i think and i don't have uh bovada open right now so read this and then and then we'll we'll sign off but where does it have what's sharif cooper's over under they have him they don't have everyone yet but they have sharif cooper from auburn is 21 and a half see that one to me seems like and, and we're saying uh over means he's picked oh, over like 22 like or 23 yeah. or yeah, under exactly. means he's okay. Under for me, he measured out like two inches taller without shoes at the combine than anyone thought he would. So like he's, he measured out at like six, three and a half. Like he actually hit like a growth spurt. And so I think Sharif Cooper to me is the one guy that I think is going to be a massive riser where all of a sudden people are like, what, what happened? Like we didn't hear about him, but he was ineligible for a start of the season. His sister plays in the WNBA and she's married to Dwight Howard. So we got this lineage thing going on. And he's a really good, like, offensive player, horrific defensive player, like, just so bad. Again, another guy gets the line but, eight times a game, too. But he is, if he's bigger, I think the real concern was that he was, like, six like six feet tall, like, 144 pounds, and he measured out, like, very close to 6'4 without shoes, which was not expected. I, I literally talked to nobody who knew that he was actually that tall. And so it's possible he had a growth spurt at the right time or he, like, was wearing lifts or something. I don't know. But I think he is – Probably the guy, I, I think he's probably going to sneak into the lottery. Assuming his workouts as, as a shooter went well, I think he's going to sneak into the lottery because partially because of the Trey Young effect, just like you said, where it's like, hey, we have this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Lot. Like, well, because like both those guys are like, you know, whatever, you overthink it. But then you see guys like Steph Curry or, you know, Trey Young, just like so, if you score really well in college, like you're probably going to score. Yeah, you're yeah. probably going to, because like Jamal Crawford, right? Like, he could score in college and he scored at every single step of the way in the NBA. Like he, he right. And that might be Cam Thomas. Like, Hey, you're maybe you're Lou Williams, but there's value to that. At yeah. Number it's 16. Ben, you know, like your Ben Gordon types where like, you maybe don't want to pick Ben Gordon fourth overall, but if you look back at Ben Gordon's career and you're like, all right, fourth overall for what he did for, yeah. you know, his NBA career is like not bad. And so, you know, this year's draft, there are going to be some big swings and some big misses, but I agree with you. Like if you just draft a guy and you're like, all right, we can roll him out and he'll be able to score on a second unit for a long time. Like that's a slam dunk at thirteen, right? Yeah, like, I agree. I agree. but I think and, and Sharif Cooper, I think, about- is going to be is going to really rise up the board. I, I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of his, but I think that the size. I am. A, I'm a big fan. Game time. I think those are good bets. Um, we're not sure about the final, so we had to give you like a really you know, safe money bet there. Uh, so we will maybe if if 
we get out of like quarantine over here. Uh, maybe we'll record in the, we maybe won't wait till next Monday. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll decide if it, if it goes like we want. And like, if Giannis doesn't play and Phoenix just like blows out the bucks in games one and two, we probably won't record because that's just kind of what it is. But like, if Giannis comes back and there's some differences and games are particularly interested, maybe we'll hop on before next week and, and do one in the, on the weekend or something. But uh, we got a lot of time in front of us too. Cause even if it goes to game four, right, that's 10 days from now. So there's plenty of time to, to talk about the one series that's going on. Uh, root for England in the Euro soccer title. That Why? would be fairly lucrative for me. Oh, if, you, uh, you're, oh you're bad on it. I thought you were just a white England supremacist. <laughs> no, I have to edit this. Uh, you can follow Zan on Twitter at Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter. And you can see his takes on Reddit. Go to his Twitter now if you want to see him trying to book bets with Norm McDonald or his takes on the Rachel Nichols ESPN situation. You can email the show, ellison at gmail.com. Uh, really excited for the finals. And uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.